Welcome to Relentless Truth with John Warren, the podcast that extracts truth from a wide range of topics, revealing who God is, who we are, and how we relate to each other. Now, here's John with this week's powerful and practical insights. Welcome to Relentless Truth. I'm John Warren, and it's good to be with you again. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to Relentless Truth. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also go to our website, which is johnwarrenmedia.com, to learn more information about our work, including our sponsor, CFS Financial. It's under a consulting tab on the website. You can learn about that very important work. I work with Christian schools all over the country and other nonprofits, primarily ministries and churches and Christian schools on all matters financial, including uh, debt resolution, debt negotiation, and governance and strategic planning and the like. So please go there for more information. Don't hesitate to send along an email to john at johnwarrenmedia.com if you'd like to know more about our work or if you'd like more information about our podcast episode, our subject today. Our subject today, uh, speaking of which, is another attribute of God. We're in our fifth episode in this uh, series on the attributes of God, and today we're going to be talking about the grace of God. So I, I want to just say this before I dive in here. Uh, I am overwhelmed at the growth of this podcast. You are clearly sharing it with friends or people are just finding it. You wouldn't believe all of the countries that have uh, listeners to, to this podcast. Many, many countries, lots of people I want to say hello again to my friends in Australia. Uh, you wrote me once or twice, and it is uh, it's just a delight to know that you're there. I see your numbers uh, in terms of uh, the uh, uh, li- uh, listens uh, to uh, two episodes. And uh, boy, I said that clumsily, didn't I? But uh, you're scattered all over the world, and uh, there's a, a huge... Uh, listener base in the United States that I'm, I'm very grateful for. Uh, so I would just ask that you, um, you know, send the link uh, from the website or, or uh, Spotify or uh, Apple or uh, wherever Google play or wherever you get your podcast, just send it to uh, send it to friends or just send the website itself and they can uh, find the podcast episodes that might be helpful to them. We do have a YouTube channel under my name, John Warren, and you can find this little video-ish version of the podcast there. There are lots of YouTube listeners uh, to the podcast as well. Um, it, it is frankly just so encouraging to see those numbers and to know that this information is, is making a difference this, this time that we share each week on uh, various topics. So... Uh, I record these episodes uh, weeks in advance, uh, several weeks in advance, and I'm, I'm working on some um, possibilities of, of uh, um, increasing the uh, frequency of the podcast uh, so that I can talk about uh, very quickly, talk about shorter 
uh, have shorter episodes that talk about current news items. I'll tell you more about that later as this unfolds. But for now, we're going to talk today, uh, God willing, about the grace of God. Um, it's the fifth part in our series on God's attributes. And and I want to I always want to say, you know, stupid things like this one is really important. They all are. All of the attributes of God are important. We talked about God's simplicity first. That's really uh, just the, the notion that all of his attributes are fully possessed by him. They all come together. They aren't separate. Our language, we said our language fails us because it, we, we think of people like, like we'll say things like to a, I'll say things to a student. We just started school here. Uh, we start very early and, and um, I'll, I'll say things like, oh, Mary is smart and talented and a great athlete. Uh, and we talk about God that way in terms of God's attributes. And yet God fully possesses all of those attributes. God didn't go acquire those attributes. There would be something greater than God if that were the case. So we, we've talked about that. And today we, we, we talk about the grace of God. This is a heavy topic to me because I, I spent years of my life, including years of my adult life, misunderstanding God's grace. I think the misunderstanding of God's grace is kind of at the core of uh, some of the confusion that we experience in the evangelical church in, in theology. So I think we fail to grasp that this, this doctrine of God's grace, a clear understanding of the biblical teaching on God's grace. And so today we're going to try to unravel that as best we can in this format. There, there are many professing evangelical Christians who don't understand the grace of, grace of God. They're, they're, they're comfortable with church talk and involvement. And, I, and when I say they, I'm, I'm talking about me uh, years ago. They, they are they are comfortable with church talk with with this environment of, of church church involvement even very comfortable maybe with church budgets with church offices with church polity with with uh, uh, the, the, the church uh, agenda the 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 way the way church services are are conducted maybe even they they, they might even teach or or supervisor, or volunteer, and work at a church, but they really don't have any idea what the grace of God is and what Scripture teaches about this grace. Many have lived with this flawed understanding for so long that they consider the topic beyond them. You might be one of those people where you say, "You know, I know, I know a lot about. I know a lot of Bible stories. I know." I know some things about the gospel, but this, this doctrine of grace is elusive to me. So you, you might be one of those people who gives lip service to grace. You might be able to talk about it, but you really don't understand it or care to learn about it. Well, this episode is, is for you. Scripture is for you. Um, these doctrines are not, um, they are beautiful and and they're 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 scandalous. I'll say that um, they're jolting, but but they are just magnificent. And you can understand. We can all understand together, to some degree. We can grasp the doctrine of grace. Now there are several reasons for this failure of so many 
and, and, and to grasp grace said simply and and these reasons are near and dear to my heart because i i i was guilty of all of these at 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 some point in my adult life up to some point in my adult life and it was wonderful teachers who and and, and writers uh, the the ministry of R.C. Sproul meant so much to me. Hank Hanegraaff, the Bible Answer Man, who's a good friend of mine now. John Piper, John MacArthur, the several. Uh, I like Mike Winger an awful lot now out in California. Uh, go to his YouTube channel. I think you'll like him. And, and there, there are many, many others. There are some Puritans. Uh, there, there's, um, you know, when I say Puritan, I think immediately of Paul Washer, who's not a Puritan, but, but a sound teacher. The Gospel Coalition, Tim Keller's ministry uh, originally, the late Tim Keller's ministry, um, has meant so much, and, and there, there, there are many others. That's a, that's a woefully incomplete list. My apology for leaving so many off. I didn't really plan to, to talk about all those ministries, but if you write me, I'll be happy to, to give you other resources. I desperately needed, in my adult life, I, I, I desperately needed these resources. I. I began to develop a hunger for learning about God, learning theology. And I didn't really know the difference between a good resource and a bad one. So don't hesitate to write. I'll be happy to share with you all of the resources that I'm aware of. But there, there are several reasons for this failure of many to grasp grace, God's grace. One, and I'm just going to really simplify this into four, a clear understanding of the implications of the depravity of man. And we'll, we'll talk more about this later on this episode, but, but understanding who man really is. And when I say man, I'm not slighting women. I mean mankind, human, humans. Two, a clear understanding of the justice of God. And we'll talk more about that later as well. But we really don't understand who man is, who God is, and how God relates to man. That, that's, that's really at the core of the misunderstanding of doctrines of grace. This teaching in in the Bible on grace. Don't let that, that those terms bother you. Don't 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 flinch at those terms. Grace, God's grace, is talked about in the Bible a lot. It's important for us to know. Three, the spiritual impotence of man on his own. We're still talking about who man is, but this, you know, how sinful is man? Completely sinful. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to look at verses in Scripture. We'll talk, about, we'll talk about it logically. It makes perfect sense that man is born in sin, therefore man is doomed, damned eternally on his own. And then fourth, the power and sovereign freedom of God. There, we're back to who God is again. So we're really just talking about poorly answering the questions, who is God, who is man, and how does God relate to man? So, the benefit of God's grace, the benefits of God's grace to mankind are really quite simple when we distill them. We can we can kind of kind of put it in three categories. And and I this is this is kind of the only place in this discussion where I'm doing these these uh, uh, sequenced you know these numerical you know four of this and three of that. I don't like to do that here because it, it we tend to oversimplify when we do that. But the the benefits of God's grace, if you think about it, to mankind are one, the source of the pardon of sin. It is God's grace 
that pardons sin. We're going to talk about that today. Two, it, it is his grace, God's grace is the motive of the plan of salvation. And three, God's grace is the guarantee of the preservation. Notice I didn't say perseverance, but the preservation of the saints. Now, I, I really have, have very little original thought anyway, but I, I want to be sure to credit some folks, uh, some writing that has been done on this topic. Arthur W. Pink uh, wrote a book called The Attributes of God. And I have, I have a, a modern English version of it because it was written quite some time ago and it's hard to read in its original state. And then another book that I reference from time to time is Knowing God by J.I. Packer. I, I, I would commend that one to you especially. And then there's a third one that, you know, is, is, is important but is, is a little harder to get through a little headier, I guess, uh, a little more in the weeds by a guy named James Dolezal called All That Is In God. All That Is In God. So grace is the source from which the goodwill, love, and salvation of God go to his people, the flow to his people, I should say. The conduit is grace. God's goodwill, love, and salvation. Grace and mercy, however, are not the same attribute. God's mercy is the withholding of punishment or consequences, whereas grace is is the extension of his favor. Grace is the absolute and eternal free favor of God. It is manifested in the gift of, of spiritual and eternal blessings to the guilty and unworthy. Boy, that's a powerful sentence that I didn't write. It is manifested, this comes from Pink in the book I just cited, it is manifested in the gift of spiritual and eternal blessings to the guilty and unworthy. So you see the picture. We're already here in the introduction, beginning to paint the picture that man is doomed in sin. God lavishes his grace on those who have no merit in themselves and no compensation is demanded from his people. Further, God lavishes his grace on those who are not deserving of this grace. In fact, they or we are deserving of hell, of eternal damnation. We have done nothing positive on our own to merit God's grace. It is unmerited and it isn't attracted by anything in us. It is a free gift. We can go to Romans five for this. I know I talk about Romans a lot. It is just all of Paul's writing is just beautiful with respect to doctrines of grace. Romans five, 15 and following says, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift, there it is again, talking about grace, is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses 
brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, he's talking about Adam, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. This free gift is God's grace. And then down in chapter 6, if you turn over a page or two, uh, chapter 6, verse 23, a, a familiar verse, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, there it is again, God's grace, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Grace would cease to be grace if it could be bought, wouldn't it? Or earned or, or won by sinful man. And, and we struggle with this. I know most of you would say, yes, I agree with that. But we struggle with this concept. This grace comes from God as pure charity. In Paul's writing, grace stands in direct opposition to works and, and any sort of worthiness, any sort of merit. If you look at places like Romans 11, verse 6, but it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Now, Paul's not saying that our works don't matter, that what we do, that those, those things don't matter. He's not saying that at all. There are some who, who, who accuse me and others sometimes of advocating for hyper grace. And I, I, I don't know what that is. I, 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 I think our understanding is so limited that I'm good being characterized as a hyper grace. What, the, what they really mean is that, that you, you don't think works are important. Well, they're not with respect to salvation. But one author pointed out, and I, I think this is so good, that love gets reciprocated. It's because we are first loved by God that we love him. And, and, and so it, it's, it's just important to understand God's grace. God's grace, when we really get it, we really understand the love that he has for us and how unmerited this is, what grace really is, then we're not going to have issues with doing evil. We're not going to want to do evil. I'm not suggesting we're going to be perfect. But anyway, let's, let's carry on with, with God's grace. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. If you grew up in the church, you've memorized this verse, haven't you? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. God has given us this gift, this free grace. Ephesians 2.3, Sorry, 2.9, not as a result of works, just continuing the thought, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. Let me read it again so I get both the verses together. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. My goodness, if we really understood grace, we would not have one arrogant moment, would we? Look at Romans 4.4. 4. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And verse 5, and to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So you see this rather clearly. This, the, this, this faith that we're talking about is, is not works. God's grace is a free gift. It's accessed by faith. 
but it's we don't work for God's favor. There are three characteristics, really, of, of divine grace. First, it, it's eternal. Grace was planned in eternity past. God's grace is not extended to us because, oopsie, look what man did. We've got to go to plan B. And, and I really don't mean to sound like I treat this trivially when I say that, but there are some, including me years ago, who sort of treated the cross the finished work of Jesus Christ, like it was plan B. No, God planned our, our salvation, his grace toward us in eternity past. Second Timothy 1.8, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Verse 9, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Grace was planned in eternity past. Second, it's free because we can't purchase it. <laughs> and, and yet, we, we, we live like we have to merit it and can't by definition. Romans 3 is just beautiful in this regard. But now, verse 21 of Romans 3, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. We're going to read the passage right before this, but when he says, but now, he, he, he's just condemned man. And he says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. And then when we get down to verse 23, he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, verse 24, by his grace as a gift through the redemption or, or buying back the, the purchase that is in Christ Jesus. So grace is free because we can't purchase it. And then finally, thirdly, grace is sovereign. Romans 5.20, now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. That Greek word actually is kind of cool. It's, it's it sort of could be translated superabounded. Where where grace grace abounded, where sin abounded rather, grace superabounded. So that verse twenty one of Romans five, as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We hear grace referenced as the throne of grace in Hebrews 4, verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Ah, that should reduce us to tears. The, the fact is, we humans would not exercise grace to those who sinned outwardly. Even think about biblical characters like Paul or Saul or whatever we called him. I'm not sure that Saul changed his name, that God changed Saul's name to Paul when he was converted like some people teach, but that's another topic for another day. But biblical characters like Saul or Paul, same guy. We, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have extended grace to him, would we? For... for 
murdering Christians or at least a, a, a consenting to their murder, participating in their murder, torturing them, identifying them. What about the Corinthians? Read First Corinthians. Look at what they were up to. Would you extend grace to them? Or many others, like take historical figures who are evil, or guilty of sin that offends us. You know, we, we usually have some favorite sins that we're okay with, but then we look at everybody else and think, oh my goodness, how could they do that? Even our own friends or acquaintances what would have been deemed unworthy by us of God's grace. And yet, we know that the gospel addresses all as guilty, condemned, perishing sinners, don't we? It declares the, the most virtuous among us as infidels, as evil as the grossest sinner, in a sense. The person who is religious with all sorts of religious performance is no better off than the most profane infidel. In fact, the gospel contemplates every descendant of Adam as a fallen, polluted, and helpless sinner who is in desperate need of God's grace. This grace of God is our only hope. We aren't merely awaiting our sentence as guilty. The sentence is already executed. We are in desperate need of God's grace. If you go to Romans 3, and I know I'm quoting Romans a lot here, but you look at the condemnation of man. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at Alpha. We've already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. This isn't a surprise. This isn't a, a declaration that comes later in life. No, we've, we've already been adjudicated guilty. As it is written, and I always picture a courtroom, and I can imagine sitting in the courtroom myself in the defendant's chair and having these charges read against me. Listen to this. There are 14 of them. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. You, just think about how desperate for grace I am. We are. Verse 12, all have turned aside. Together they become worthless. Strong words here. No one does good, not even one. When Paul is redundant, he is redundant by design under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. An asp was a small, incredibly poisonous snake. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known there's no fear of God before their eyes. Verse 19, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. In other words, you and I are convicted of being dirty, rotten, depraved sinners and we are sentenced to death, to damnation, to eternal death. John 3.18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. I am not chastising you. I'm not looking to shame you. I'm just looking to correct your thinking. If you're one of those people who says, well, I want to be good. I want to do good because... I, I, I want the big man upstairs to accept me or, or, or I, I want 
whatever the, 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 the angel to let me in or Peter to let me into the pearly gates. I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to make it to heaven. Well, this, these verses say you're already, we are already condemned. You're not awaiting trial. Your trial has occurred and you're guilty and I'm guilty and condemned, sentenced to death. I often hear people claim they want justice and that God is unfair. They talk about the problem of evil in terms of God not being benevolent or, or powerful. They, they say things like, how could an all-powerful, all-loving God allow so much evil? They say things like, I'm a justice person. I don't say it when that happens, but I think, no, you really aren't. If you want God's justice, you will you will be eternally damned because that is what we, every person, every sinner who's ever walked this earth deserves. And, and, and we've already been sentenced. We've already had a trial and we lost. But the real problem of evil is how does a just, righteous God, you've heard me say this before, condemn man as unrighteous and then declare man righteous without compromising his own righteousness? Well, the answer is he does so by the person of Jesus Christ. There's just tremendous beauty in this. I'll go back to Romans 3.21. It says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. He's talking about Jesus, Paul is. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified or declared righteous, made right, given right standing before God is what that means and are justified by his grace, our topic today, as a gift through the redemption we've been purchased by the finished work, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. How beautiful is that? It's just so important to understand this. I can't stress it enough. We can't stress it enough. We can't talk about the gospel enough. The, the, that is the real problem of evil, is how does a just, righteous God condemn man as unrighteous and then declare man righteous without compromising his righteousness? And it is the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. And we should include in that the, his resurrection and ascension and his mediation, his sitting at the right hand of the Father. It's important to note that the entire Godhead, the entire Trinity, is involved in God's grace. The Holy Spirit is the communicator of grace. God the Father is the fountain or source of all grace because he, he purposed in himself the covenant of redemption. And God the Son is our only channel of grace. The Spirit is the distributor of grace. He applies the, the gospel in saving power to the soul. The sufficiency of God's grace overwhelms us if we really recognize our fallenness. We are so corrupt and averse to God that we must receive His grace by faith alone. We can't clean ourselves up to make ourselves acceptable to him. Most people know this intuitively, and yet we fall for this lie that says, I can be good enough. And it doesn't just say I can be, I must be. 
And so most people live incredibly frustrating lives. And I'm, unfortunately, I'm talking about dear people who are in the church seeking to merit God, God's favor. Sometimes you look at various cults, and, and no offense, I have to call them that because that's what they are, like Mormonism or Islam. And, and I look at the common threads and I'm astounded. They, they go something like this. Uh, man is self-righteous, self-sufficient, yeah, even though maybe there's maybe there's a, a God, maybe there's a supreme being of some kind, and, and we have to go and clean ourselves up. We have to go live lives that merit God's favor, and we just live in constant frustration. So whenever you think, how can anybody believe this nonsense when you really get in the weeds and dig into the detail? It, it is because of this sense that I know I'm a sinner and, and I know that my works are insufficient, but I've got to try. And, and so those people live lives that are incredibly frustrated. You might have experienced just a taste of this because if you've ever tried to improve yourself on your own without prayer, without seeking God, uh, and, and, and say you want to do something you want to develop a new habit or, or, or you, want to, you, you want to earn God's favor and suck it up and do better day after day. And, and you just fail. You know, I think of dieting as the thing comes into my head, really, which is kind of weird to think of. But oftentimes people purpose to live healthier lives because they, they, they want to be healthier. And sometimes it is they want to be godlier. And, and yet they'll crash and burn and end up fatter than they were when they started. No offense, but that's just how human effort apart from Christ works, apart from God's grace works. And we'll talk about prayer later. We talk about prayer all the time on this podcast, but it's just important for us to contemplate God's grace as demonstrated to us in the person of Jesus Christ. I, I would urge you if, you, if you're hearing all this for the first time and you'd like some follow-up information uh, send along an email to me at john at johnwarrenmedia.com or go to the website and just use the contact form. I, I respond to every single one that I receive. I'd be delighted to direct you to more scripture. I, I, I'll say things to you like, I'll just give you the benefit of, of this now. Um, read, read the Gospel of John, the fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Read that and then read Romans. Um, a couple of books later because Paul wrote this beautiful compendium of theology and you can understand God's grace if you read that epistle to the church at Rome. He talks about it a lot. The juxtaposition is between works and, 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 and faith. Accessing God's grace by faith. And they're just beautiful promises in Scripture. The gospel is entirely logical, and, and you can understand it. You don't have to be afraid of the doctrines of grace. You don't have to live this frustrated life wondering what, that, what, what that's all about. I do want to say one other thing. I, I mentioned hyper-grace, and, and you'll, you'll, hear, you'll hear people cringe at the doctrines of grace and know oh, that sounds like Martin Luther talk and or John Calvin talk or, or whatever. 
And I don't mean to do that because I don't want you to shut down. I want you to explore the grace of all of these attributes of God, but specifically today, the grace of God, God's favor to sinful, evil, depraved man. And, and I just would love for you to think, all of us to think, and I'm thinking about it too, the, the way we would exercise grace, we, we, we would zap sinners. We would, we would not exercise grace the way God does. It is overwhelming. God's love for us becomes overwhelming when we think about it in the context of humans. You ever get frustrated? You watch the news, you listen to people talk and you say, wow, the world is just getting more and more evil. And, and, you know, if you're a little older, like I am, you, or maybe a lot older, you've had decades to, to experience this. And you can, you can think about, oh, the good old days. I miss the good old days. Well, it's always been like this. We, man has always been incredibly disappointing. Uh, crime, random crime. I've never understood. I, I guess crime's a passion we can, we can understand. I mean, they're wrong and, and horrible, and I'm not even sure I fully understand that. But that's more comprehensible, I guess, than the, uh, random crime. Why, why uh, nonsensical crime? Why, why do people get killed that weren't involved in a robbery? Why are people just, just evil? If we go back and we answer the questions, who is God, who is man, and how does God relate to man, and we do so in the context of Scripture, my goodness, it's eye-opening. It makes the news make perfect sense. This should not be a surprise for us. God's grace is sufficient. God alone, Jesus Christ alone, is our sufficiency. That it, that Those promises are beautiful, and they make us respond that love that love without reciprocity, that love that is unmerited, uh, causes us to just be overwhelmed and respond in obedience. That's how we follow Christ. That's how we live the Christian life. When people say, oh, that person's a good Christian man or woman, if that's really true, it is because they've grasped this doctrine of grace and the finished work of Jesus Christ. So I hate to leave it there. Um, there's so much more you could say there, 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 there are hours of material here and we could go to many, many more verses of scripture, but I, I hope this is encouraging to you recognizing man as evil and sinful and understanding the implications of the fall is actually comforting and beautiful because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. God did not leave us in our desperate state. So if you say, well, wait a minute, how am I to be saved? Simply by turning from your self-reliance and relying on or trusting in Jesus Christ. You don't have to go to seminary, although there's nothing wrong with it. You don't have to go get a PhD in theology. You can read scripture and understand this beautiful gift and we are to preach this to each other, to ourselves. We're to teach ourselves, to focus ourselves on the gospel every day. So, friend, I hope you're encouraged. I hope um, this series on the attributes of God is meaningful to you. It is a blessing to me to get to provide um, this uh, content for you. 
for all of us. Believe me, I'm talking to me. And uh, I hope this is an encouragement to you. I hope you'll share this episode with friends. If it's meant something to you, I hope you'll share it. And thank you for doing so. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to Relentless Truth. You can find us wherever you get your podcast, or go to johnwarrenmedia.com. Send along an email to john at johnwarrenmedia.com. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Relentless Truth with John Warren. Please consider sharing this podcast and subscribe to receive future episodes. Connect with John regarding your comments, questions, and show ideas through johnwarrenmedia.com or at John Warren Media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. That's all for this episode. Join us next week for another edition of Relentless Truth with John Warren.